What's going on, everybody? We are welcomed by myself, Isaac, and Aiden. So in Houston, the Red Sox come into town, four-game series, and eventually they split. You could say that's okay, but at the same time, we both think they should have won three out of four, especially with the way game one went, which was incredibly annoying, frustrating, and pretty embarrassing from the offense and the defense. But winning the last two games of Seo and Bayo were pretty massive. Uh, you get you get that momentum into the Dodger series, which they're the hottest team in baseball. You have Mookie Best return, Kike Brazier, all that. It's a pretty big series, and it's a great thing they won too. But it could have been better. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, we'll talk about it when you get into Game One. I mean, this is really where. I mean, you could have made a big difference here. And, and, you know, as Red Sox fans, we're thankful that uh Toronto and Seattle lost and Toronto lost two in a row. If that didn't happen, we could be looking at this way differently. I uh, also wanted to keep in, keep in mind Texas is really struggling. I don't think it will pass them, but that's something we can keep an eye on in the race. But, yeah, game one, man. Like, when you go three for 18 with runners in scoring position, and there was a time where they had, like, seven straight innings with two guys on and didn't score. You can't do that against the Astros. Um, so yeah, I mean, you had to win three out of four. It was like two hits away from winning three out of four and they didn't. So we're three and a half back. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. We'll talk about game one, uh, starting right now. It was Christian Javier versus James Paxton. First inning, two outs, two on Adam Duvall hits a moonshot credits, Kevin Millar for calling it. Predicted the exact homer where it's going to land. So that was pretty sick. Uh, that was the best moment of the game, unfortunately. But let's talk about what happens next. So bottom of the first, uh, the defense is already making errors. Paxton's throwing a lot of balls. Um, could have been like 5-1 after. It could have been like 5-3, which was you, you get a three-run lead. You're feeling great. The Astros' offense was slumping for Seattle. And then you just keep making errors, and Paxton was not commanding. And then the bottom of the second, Maldonado hits a double off the wall. Bregman singles, Jordan singles, and it's already 4-3 Astros after the Red Sox had a 3-0 lead. So that's not going good. And then bottom of the fourth, Chaz McCormick hits a three-run homer. And I think by this time, you had... Shockingly, Devers did not have any errors that game, but he made like two or three defensive plays that were just like, "What are you doing, dude?" So I don't agree with the box score there. But I was also gonna say, like, in my opinion, the top of the fourth inning decided the game. So going back to the first inning, you you get up three zero. As a pitcher and as the defense, your job is to get a shutdown inning, and they didn't. Um, they only give up one, so you can live with it. And then they get two guys on in the second and don't do anything. And then, you know, you have that second inning where you give up three more runs. But this is where I think the game really changed on you. You have top four, Maguire singles, Urias gets hit by the pitch. So you got two on, you're down by one. Astros have the momentum. But you got your top of the order coming up with nobody out. And Verdugo lines out, and Maguire gets the third. Now here's Rafael Devers with the chance to bring in a run from third. You tie that game, momentum swings. He hits a foul ball home run and then strikes out. You can't strike out there. You just can't. 
And then Yoshida hits a little flare that gets caught. Like, in my opinion, that's where th- this game, I was like, yeah, we're not going to win. You got you got to tie the game there, and they didn't. And then directly after it, they gave up three more runs, and then you're out of it at 7-3. to three. So to me, that's where it changed. It was 4-3. to three. You had a chance to tie or take the lead. You didn't, and then you immediately gave up three runs. Yeah, uh, something that really uh, irritated me was I was watching Christian Javier. That guy had nothing, no command, no stuff. We should have tagged. We, we should have done what we did against JP France. We'll go on about that in game four against Javier. I mean, every single inning against Javier, they had two or more base runners. And only run to get out of that was a three-run bomb in the first inning. And the offense just died after that. It was pretty unacceptable. And mentally, the defense, I think, hurt them. Paxson was terrible. It was just not fun at all. Yeah, a bad game. Bad game for sure. And you win that game. Like, let's just say everything plays out the way it does. It completely changes everything. One, you just beat a series on the road against Houston. That's great for morale. Two, you're only, what, two and a half games behind Houston, two and a half games behind Seattle, one game behind Toronto. That's manageable. You have a series against the Jays. You have a series against the Astros. And I know we're only talking about one game here, but two and a half to three and a half, when there's only 30-something games left, is a huge difference, especially with the tiebreaker. We're not going to have the tiebreaker against Seattle. So, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to set the tone there, but I will give credit to the Red Sox. Every single time you think they're dead, they come back. And every time you think they come back, they die. So, (laughs) I mean... The bad thing is they just won two in a row, so they'll probably get swept. But, I mean, that's just the thing about the Red Sox. Every time they're about to die, they win a couple. Yeah, they're the 2023 Red Sox are probably the most Jekyll and Hyde Red Sox team I've ever watched. They're not One a of bad the strangest team. teams we've ever watched. They're not a bad team. They're not great. I mean, they're above average, 68 and 60. Um, they're on pace for 86 wins, which is pretty solid. Could be better. But my issue is it just seems like every series they, they just like they lose a winnable game they should have won. And that's what's hurting us. It's every series they have this one game where they just they beat themselves. That's how I kind of view it. Yeah, and like deep down, like when you really break down the season, there's so many different things. Like one, you didn't have a shortstop, injuries. But in my opinion, what it really came down to, okay, so you said we're on pace to 86, 86 wins. Well, Think about all the games we lost to terrible teams. If you just kind of show up against those games, dude, you're at least a 90-win team. And to me, that has been the story of the season. But uh, after the first two games, I was really, really concerned because we just saw that Blue Jays series where it was the most important series of the year, and they did nothing. And so then you have another most important series of the year, and you drop the first two. And I'm like, okay, they're just, they just don't show up when it matters. And then somehow they score a billion runs and like now they lure us back in and make us think they're good again. And then they'll go get swept by the Dodgers and then they'll go sweep the Royals. So, I mean, like you said, just Jekyll and Hyde roller coaster season. Yeah, pretty much exactly everything you said as well. You mean those losses against the Cardinals, the Pirates, the Rockies, Blue Jays, like a lot of those games I should have won. And it sucks because when half of those games at least you you have above like a 50 55% chance of making the playoffs and like a 90 win team that's really good for what we expect out of this team 
But here we are. They're going to have to win a ton of games. And this upcoming series is not ideal. But let's talk about game two. Uh, Justin Berlin. Game two pissed me off. Game two was the game I marked down. I was like, I don't think we're going to win at all. Like, that was the only game I was not confident. I had no game two was like, like, this was the Rafi making an error every play game, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So So, here's my thing. Like, I'm like, listen, I get mad and say trade Devers and all that crap. I don't mean any of that, obviously, but. When I don't care if you're in your head, if you're hurt, whatever it is. If you make $330 million, you can make a physical error. If somebody launches a 105-mile-an-hour batted ball at you and you bobble it, whatever. That's baseball. When you're doing stuff like, as a team, not covering the plate, that was, that was more on the pitcher. When you're doing stuff like weak dribblers and you like hesitate and then he like double clutches and then lobs it to first and he's he's not fielding routine ground balls and he's going in the dugout whining after it just it doesn't look like a 330 million dollar player when you're doing that i mean I, I can't think of another big name star that is making these routine plays as errors and then going and crying in the dugout like i can't have that you got to show up this is the most important series of the year now he was better towards the end and he's, I think what, why the fan base gets so mad is because he makes these errors on dribblers and then makes diving plays like Arenado. Like, what are, we know you have it in you to be good. So, why are you not being good? And so, I think that's why a lot of us are frustrated. But yeah, that, that game was pissing me off. He made like four errors. You can't do that in this big of a series. I think the thing with Rafi is his biggest weakness is his own self when he's just like, it's kind of like a disease. It's very continuous. When he's not playing well, just everything goes bad for him, and it's all mentally. But when he's playing good, he's over here looking like Nolan Arenado on defense and then hitting like Barry Bonds. It's just one or the other, which he's had a really good year, even if you consider it a down year by war or eye test or whatever, however you want to calculate it. Still having a really good year overall. But the thing with Devers, you cannot be this inconsistent. It's hurt us, especially back in May and a couple games versus the Rockies, Pirates, and all them. I mean, he's had some big spots, big errors. He, he's costed us some games. I mean, he's won us a lot of games, I'm not going to lie. But, well, yeah, when you get paid $330 million, you're not going to be perfect. But plain and simple, you got to be more consistent and better. It is the first year of him being, quote-unquote, the guy. And that, that was Mookie in 2017. I mean, Milky was younger, but he also kind of struggled that year, and then he took off next year. So we'll see what happens next year with Rafi. I mean, he's he's well, entering the, his prime. The thing is, like, with baseball, and I don't believe in a lot of superstitions, but I do believe in this. When you are going bad or you're learning a new position or whatever it is, the ball finds you. It just does. You had the first play with Devers, makes an error, makes another error. Then you got bases loaded, and then the ball gets hit to him again. And we're all thinking, all right, he's going to launch it in the dugout. He makes the play. But the ball just finds you when you're in your ruts. And thank God he made that play. But, yeah, I mean, the ball is going to continue to find him, and he's going to have to make these plays. I mean, he's you make $30 million, you have to field a ground ball at this level. Unfortunately, we have a penguin in left field in Yoshida who can't really play the field. 
We have Casas who struggles at first. And then we have Turner who's 100 years old with a bone bruise. So we have like eight DHs on the team. So Rafi can't DH. He's got to play the field. So And he's got to be better. For sure. So let's let's head on to game two. Bottom of the first, Tanner Houck's first start since the Yankees were he got hit in the face. Alaza two run home run at Kyle Tucker on a hanging thing sinker right down the middle. Can't do that at Kyle Tucker. And then he proceeds. That's when Rafi makes the error. And then he walks two guys, but then gets out of it. So luckily it's only two nothing. Then bottom of the fourth. It was a really like amazing butt from Maldonado. The runner from second, I think it was Dubon. He went all the way and scored. It was a miscommunication from Hauk Endeavors. And like that we was just really said, bad. When, when you're not mentally there, like playing defense, it, it's like a disease. It's going to continuously happen to you. That, that one was on Tanner Hauk for sure. That was on Hauk, um, yeah. Uh, it, Endeavors also should have been there earlier. But that that one was definitely on Hauk. And that's just like a – I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's, like you said, a disease. One guy makes an error. The other guy makes an error. I don't know what it is, but you're, you're not going to win playoff games. You're not going to get into the playoffs with bad defense. You can have the best nine hitters and the best pitchers. You can't make plays. You're not going to win. And not only that, can you imagine being a pitcher on this team? You have to feel like you got to K everybody because when you when you throw the ball and they make contact, you're not confident a play is getting made with this defense. And that must be put a lot of stress on our pitching staff too. Yeah. I, I just keep saying that line. Have you ever watched the natural? Yeah. Baseball movie. Yeah. So th- there's a quote where it's like that doctor psychiatrist says losing is a disease, blah, blah, blah. That's where I kind of get it from. So anything bad in baseball, it's just like a disease. That's why I kind of view it. It just keeps happening and happening until you figure it out. When things don't go your way, they don't go your way at all. But when you're you're doing well, everything goes your way. We've seen it with Yoshida, Devers, most of the squad, pretty much. That's just the 2023 Red Sox for you. So, One for 10 with runners in scoring position on Tuesday. They had more hits than the Astros. They made three errors, like we mentioned, but another one for 10. So in the first two games, they went four for 28 with runners in scoring position. First game? The first two games combined. Four for 28 with runners in scoring position. Yeah, I watched the I watched all four games on the Astros booth. Uh, very annoying booth. They're very biased. I didn't like it. But they did show a lot of like pretty cool stats. And Nessent never shows. So the Red Sox in the first two games had 16 uh, men. They had 16 more uh, men left on base than the Astros did which is ridiculous in the first two games. So like we said, you could have just won game one. Like this series would have been fantastic. Yeah. And I didn't even realize this. Like, like I just said, one for 10 in the second game runners in scoring position, decent hitting with runners in scoring position. And you sweep this series, like just decent in the first two games. You didn't even have to be good. If you go, what they went three for 18 in the first one. If you go five for 18, you probably win that game. If you go three for 10 instead of one for 10, like we were a few hits away from winning all these baseball games. So, yes, I understand you won the last two. So the momentum is high, but you really needed to win three there because now you don't allow yourself. You you really have to take two out of three against L.A. 
if you would have won three out of four against Houston, maybe you could have, you know, been okay with one out of three against LA. Now I think you got to win two out of three. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, I'm actually more confident than I think a lot of people are because of the pitching matchups. But yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, and it wasn't even like Javier was just not pitching good. He was throwing everything down the middle, and they still couldn't advance the runners. At least with Verlander, Verlander had a really good game. Six innings. Verlander, Verlander got in with Cora. Did you see that? Oh, yeah, in the first – was it the first inning or second inning? I, I believe it was the very first inning. Yeah, uh, Verlander told Cora to F off. There was like a pitch calm issue. I I don't know what what was going on. It was pretty crazy. But really, I'm enjoying the fire from Cora recently. I'm enjoying. So listen, we love Verdugo in 2020 for being that fiery player. We don't have any of those guys on our team right now. I mean, other than Pavetta and Winkowski, but like other than relievers, we don't have one guy who's like that fiery. Cora is doing it for everybody else right now. So I'm enjoying that. Yeah, speaking of Verdugo, he did get ejected game two around the fourth-ish, fifth inning for arguing with the ump. And yeah, that was fun. That, and then I think, I think Cora got tossed a little bit later. But, you know, I mean, that might spark a team. It's good leadership by Verdugo. It's pretty much other than that, Duvall hits a home run in the eighth, and then Turner singles in the ninth, and the Red Sox lose 7-3. Verlander with six innings, five hits, one walk, nine strikeouts. He's done pretty good with the Astros so far. So good for him. Now, let's move on to game three. Uh, by far the craziest game of the series. So opening up, it was Chris Sale versus Jose Kidi. Bottom of the first, Saltuba hits a double, Bregman singles, and I'm already getting 2017 ALDS game one flashbacks. Kyle Tucker just misses a three-run homer. It's ready one nothing Astros. Thankfully, Sale gets out of it. And then top of the third, the Red Sox take the lead with a Verdugo double and then a Casa single. So it's two on Red Sox. Then bottom of the third, Abreu hits a double and it's two two tie game. Um, other than the, hold on, am I missing? They're missing something here. What are you missing? What are you looking at? I forgot what inning Martin Maldonado homered. It, it was the third or fourth. Oh. It was the third, I think. Sorry, the box score is incorrect. I'm just reading it right now. They just no, Maldonado, Mald- yeah, Maldonado homered in the second inning. So uh That's what it was. You know, that that first inning they hit the sack fly, right? Uh, but in the second with two outs, uh, and Jeremy Pena on first base. Maldonado hits one in into the left center stands, and I, that is a definition of shake your head. I mean, I was watching that. I'm like, Did Martin Maldonado just hit a home run off Chris Sale in 2023? That's when I thought at that moment I was like, season's over. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it, it was a terrible pitch right down the middle sinker or fastball, but other than that, I thought Chris Sale looked really good. He was commanding his pitches, his slider. Had a lot of whiffs. His fastball was pretty, just hitting the corners a lot. The Astros made a lot of good swings on his pitches, which kind of had me suspicious for a little bit. Maybe I'm just, I was just salty and mad, but he had I a thought- lot of K's, which was good. Um, you know, to me, I, I agree with you. He wasn't terrible. I don't think he was great. Um, 
but yeah, I mean the Maldonado one really. After like, the Maldonado, if you could do that, if you could do that a hundred times, if you do that about a hundred times, Maldonado hits a home run one time, <laughs> and if you take that away, like the line is five innings, five hits, two runs, nine Ks. I mean, so yeah, I agree with you. And since Sale's return, it just seems like. He's allowed a lot of eight, nine hole hitters to get on base. I mean, I don't know why. Got to sharpen up that mentality. Treat, treat them as I as if they're like Aaron Judge, Otani. Just think think of that sale, please. <laughs> no need to be walking guys or throwing down the middle fastballs. So yeah. the Astros by then they have a it was a three one lead. Yeah. Or four one lead, one of them. A- anyways, the Red Sox eventually tie it with a Trevor Story single, which by the way was his first RBI of the season. Woohoo! And then Abreu grounds out, which is three three. And it's three three the rest of the game. It was four to four the rest four of the game. Four the rest of the game, yeah. Yeah. Um the bullpen had a lot of scares. Like the Astros are putting pressure on us. Like seems like every inning out of the bullpen. So yes. Garrett Whitlock came in, allows a leadoff base runner both times. Doesn't allow a run, but that play where Bregman popped up and walked in <laughs> over the ball was. I mean, he made fantastic an incredible... play by Whitlock. No, th- this play and then well, t- I'll I'll talk about a play later in the ninth inning. I think those plays won us the game because if Whitlock didn't make that catch. I think they would have um, reviewed that. And if they called interference at Wong, Bregman, Bregman would have been awarded first base. And first of, was it first and second zero outs of Tucker up, that's not ideal. Another thing, I, I can't game. believe Whitlock, Whitlock didn't get hurt on that, knowing just how we work. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was probably one of the best plays I've ever seen from a pitcher. He just sprinted and made a diving play where Wong had no idea where the ball was. Yeah, and then even Martin, you know, he put in two, put on two guys in the eighth, and he didn't look uh, his best, but he ended up getting out of it. Um, so that was good. And then the the last thing is friggin' Kenley comes out, um, in the ninth, and you know he he gets pulled, and they put in Pavetta. So we'll talk about Kenley in a minute, but I wanted to ask you, um, in the tenth. Did you agree with pulling Pavetta? Like, why? Why did Winkowski get put in? Why? Why Pavetta looked good, and Winkowski was scaring me. Before I answer your question, when Martin was pitching, Trevor Story made an amazing play off of Jeremy Pena with bases loaded. That that was one of the most important defensive plays of the season. You remember yeah. that? Yep. Yeah, it was a backhand uh, off balance and barely beat out Pena. Kiki Hernandez does not make that play. Maybe well, he does for the us. Dodgers. <laughs> but in uh, entering this game in 80 innings, Trevor Story has four defensive runs saved and two outs above average. So the, the defense and base running, huge part so far. Offense, not really. Hopefully he gets it going. But that, that play was like amazing, and it's, it's nice to have him there. But yeah, going to your uh, Pavetta question, I would have left him in. Especially since, especially since he's not like needed to start anymore because we have five other guys. If if they're going to continue to start Hulk, which I think they will, uh, and we can actually that can be another discussion. I actually 
disagree with it. I, I was always a Hauk start guy, but now that I've seen both guys, I would like Pavetta to start, and I want Hauk to be a reliever because I think we can maximize his skills there. That's probably the best case scenario for the roster construction. I do think, Pavetta, but they're not going to do it. I think I think that Hauk stays in the rotation. I do I do think Pavetta is just like so elite when he, he just comes out in the second or third inning, gives you like five six five six innings. Whereas he starts, he'll give you like five, six innings. He'll allow like one or two home runs randomly. That's just who he is. But then he'll get like yeah. 10 strikeouts. But I do agree with you for this roster construction. The way Pavetta's going, probably do that. How gives you like two, three innings out of the bullpen, like Whitlock. Pretty pretty lethal. I mean, yeah. Last last thing from this game we missed is the uh, three-run shot by Duvall. Um, that's three homers in three consecutive days there. You're up seven four, so that felt awesome. And then the the Astros led off the inning with the tenth with two straight singles. And I don't know about you, but I thought we were losing this game after that second single. Um, he, he gets Winkowski gets a Brady to strike out, uh, and then Pena singles to right. So now you got bases loaded, one out, up by two. Dubon strikes out, thankfully, and then Dolks grounds out, and you win the game. But yeah, Red Sox don't make it easy on themselves. They never do. Um, except for uh, the Thursday game that we're about to talk about. Yeah, the Adam Duvall homer, uh, that was, wow. I mean, he hits a f- ball off the back of his foot, and he's just down in so much pain for two minutes. And I'm like, oh, my God, please tell me he's not going in on the I.L. And my first thought was, all right, he's not playing tomorrow. I don't think he's playing in the tenth bottom of the 10th, regardless of the score. But, I mean, he stays in. Next pitch. Painted low and in sinker, 97 from Kendall Graveman. No doubt homer to the Crawford boxes. I mean, Adam Duvall is a, a dog. Always had that clutch gene we saw in Atlanta. That, that was a special homer. Could end up being – I mean, I, he's had two of the most important homers of the entire season, if you think about it. He's definitely <laughs> had the most fun homer. I mean, that game two of the season, nothing will ever be more fun than that. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he has had the most fun homers of the season. I mean, you have game two against Batista, that one, and then Kevin Millar calling a shot. And Adam Duvall. I still think that Duvall's homer against Baltimore, I still think is the most fun homer since the 2021 playoffs. Oh, I agree with you. Oh, yeah. By far. Because that was just so unexpected. (laughs) Let's talk about game four. This. Right here, most fun I've had watching a Red Sox game all season. Brian Bayo versus JP France. So coming to the game, Brian Bayo had a 7.78 ERA in day games. And you're looking at a really good Astros team. And I, I wasn't confident. I was like, all right, we could score against France, but I don't think Bayo's going to do good, which I I was wrong. He didn't do great, but seven innings, one run. He did allow a lot of base runners. He was pretty good. Anyways, let's get to the game log. So top of the first. Second pitch in, Verdugo hits a no-doubt homer to right field on a fastball. And a wonderful start. And then the first inning, Bayo, uh, two. I think he gets the first two batters, right? Yeah. yeah. That's a common theme for him. He'll, he'll, He'll strike out like two batters in the first, and then he'll have like Two more strikeouts the rest of the game. He's still young, but 
I don't even care about that. I don't care. Just get out. (laughs) Yeah, if you can get seven innings uh, by getting first, second pitch ground balls, I do not care about your K rate. But yeah, speaking of no doubter, how about in the second inning, Abreu with his first bomb. His swing is so awesome and violent. He lo- he's a definition of like hitterish. Like when he's in the box, I feel so great. Like he doesn't get cheated. He swings so hard. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he plays this year, next year. But yeah, I'm impressed with him so far for sure. Yeah, William Abreu hits a no doubt homer. I think it went 431 feet. It was a uh, 104 or 108 off the bat, and then Devers hits a line drive single to center field. It's already five nothing Red Sox in the second, and you're you're very happy with that. Then top of the third, this is where it pretty much ends the game. So Reyes walks, he steals second. Then Reyes doubles on a pop up that they reviewed, and clearly a fair ball. And then Wong singles third base. Then Verdugo singles to right. Devers walks. France gets taken out for Brandon Bielak. Then Turner gets hit by a pitch. Duval walks. Then Massa singles. And it's at the point, I think it's already. That was 10 0. I thought it was 11 0. It was. Then Reyes hit an RBI ground out. Yeah, it was 11 uh, 0. Yeah, so yeah. after the third inning, it was 11 0 Red Sox. Just. Beautiful, stress-free baseball. Like, all right, they're going to win this game easily, thank God. Other than that, to bottom of the fifth, Astros get a couple bloopers. They score off of Bayo. It's 11-1. And then top of the eighth, Braves singles to right field, and then Dever singles, and it's like 13 or 14-1 Red Sox. 13-1, yeah. Yeah, so Bayo goes seven innings, one run. In a day game, and something intriguing about him. Last star against the Yankees, he introduced a sweeper. Uh, credit to Red Sox stats. It's kind of working. He's getting more whiffs. His command's better. Now allowing that hard contact. So that's an interesting development. It, like we've said, we said, we said this every episode. If Brian Bayo can develop a third pitch, he's going to be a borderline, or if not, an ace in the MLB. So that's yeah, really nice to see. He needs that third away pitch that can get guys to strike out or make weak contact. And we so can top- have this conversation another day, but I do believe that the Red Sox in the next 18 ish months need to extend Casas and they need to extend bail. I don't want to have this, these emerging stars and then, you know, throw them away. Okay. I don't want to do that. So let's let's find something out in the offseason or at the next all-star break or something. Yeah, that's a combo for another day, but you're under the tax now. Spend money on needs and spend money on your young players, please. To the top let's of the talk ninth, about Maldonado. <laughs> Maldonado comes in. She gives up a lot of hits. And then Abreu hits a deep double to right field. In this Did you game, see Devers was... at bat? He literally stuck his foot in the middle of the strike zone and got hit. Oh no, he's so weird. I'm like, out of all at bats, that's Did the it. one you try to get hit on, really. Where like Bro is try- bro wants the OBP so bad. Core on a work a walk. But we've seen Devers get hit a couple times this season. He doesn't even realize it, but then he just leans into a pitch. And the Astros booth is like, you know, if the game was actually meaningful, they probably would have reviewed that, but it doesn't matter. 
It's just like he's such a weird guy. Like out of a position not, player, I don't think he's a real person. <laughs> it's a position player throwing meatballs every pitch, and you want to get hit. He, he's a troll. Hit it off! The, hit it off the ground. Why are you <laughs> sticking your foot in your air, bro? Just crush it. Yeah, maybe he was scared of hurting somebody in right field. I don't know. Yeah, Rafi that long the- homer was funny because it almost injured Tucker in a seventeen to one game. Yeah, Tucker uh, went for it, man. After Abreu's double long homers and it's seventeen one Red Sox. Uh, speaking of Abreu, he went four for five with a homer, double, four RBIs, a walk. That's amazing for a debut series. He had he had an amazing series. Everything you've seen with Abreu, he runs he he runs a uh, his outfielder routes pretty well. He's an above average base runner. He just he just wants to destroy the ball. He doesn't chase. He has good plate discipline. We need to see a longer sample size, but we might have a legit player in him. Which, which credit to Heim Bloom for the Vasquez trade because it's looking amazing as of now. And I think Valdez he's going to be a hitter in the big leagues. That's, I think that's his floor. He has a really good swing and he hits for power. But we, we might What's have something is legit like, here with Abreu. Both of them have such amazing left-handed swings. Like that's one thing I love. Um, but I was going to ask you, why does every single one of our prospects have to be left-handed? Can we get one righty that just matches off the green monster? I know like, everybody that comes up. Like I love them. I love their swings. I love their game. Like oh, this guy is cool. Oh, he swings hard but he's a left-handed and our right field is a billion feet away. Where is our righties that hit the ball off the monster? Like, where are they? You have Meyer, you have Anthony, you have Kyle Teagle, you have Kyle Teal. I mean, all three probably going to be big leaguers for the Red Sox, but it's just all these lefties. It's a good problem to have, but when you have all these lefties, I mean, what are you going to do? Yankees want these guys so bad. I mean, what are you going to do when Shane McClanahan starts a playoff game against you? I mean, what, you're going to start seven lefties? No. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's a good problem to have, but it's a little scary. When, you, when you're right-handed, prospects are really only, like, Nick York um, and Miguel but you Blaise know what that means. Raffaella. That means you have to go get right-handed free agents. Yeah, and I, we're going to see a lot of interesting moves, I think, starting this offseason. I mean, you you guys, you have like Duran, who we might get hate for this, but we both agree. I think this is the best you're ever going to see Jaron Duran, and we're both down totally. to training him at high value. He's been a great player totally. this year. And it's not knocking down his mental health. I mean, hopefully he's better with that, but we just agree. We don't think he's ever going to do this again. His BABIP is ridiculously unsustainable, where... I get it. You're really fast, so you're going to have a high Babbitt if you put the ball in play. I, I just don't I, – I think he's more of like a 750, 760 OPS bat, like 105-ish, 110 diversity plus guy. But I don't see him being a 130, 125 diversity plus guy. I don't. So you have, you have him, you have Verdugo, and Yoshida. And with Yoshida sounding long-term, I, I don't think he's getting moved. I wouldn't care if they tried moving him because, in my opinion, I think he's a bad fit on this roster, and I'll explain later why. Not he's not a bad not not a bad player. I mean, he can hit. He's a great hitter. First year in the big leagues, he's done pretty good. But Verdugo has one one more year on his contract, and then you sell high on Duran. So I think very likely you're going to see one of these outfielders traded in the offseason. What about you? Yeah, 
I agree. I mean, I don't think you trade Verdugo because I don't think his value is high enough to get something worth what he is. And what he is is a pretty uh, slightly above average baseball player. And every single team needs one of those. And he's not going to bring back something great. So let him bat seventh. Let him play an above average right field for another year and then let him walk. Everybody needs an Alex Verdugo on their team. But Alex Verdugo cannot hit third. So that's just, I, th- I think you keep him. I don't think you move Yoshida, but I understand what you're saying. He, I mean, he's he's great, but he's not, he was not the perfect fit for this roster considering you signed Turner. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I think it really depends on how you feel about Rafaela and how you feel about the free agent market. If you, if Turner does leave and you want to DH Yoshida, that leaves you with the Rand, Verdugo, Rafaela, and Ref Snyder. If you want to go get another big bat, for the outfield, maybe Teoscar or Jorge Soler, or I don't know. Then maybe you can trade Duran. I think it really just depends on how you feel about Rafaela and how you feel about the free agent market. So we'll definitely talk about that in the offseason. Yeah, I agree with you. And the I think the thing about Verdugo that makes him more valuable than we kind of think, his defense has been really good this year, and that's been our biggest problem. And that's so big he- in right field at Fenway. Yeah, I know. We all know. Yeah, that's one of the hardest right fields, right fields to play. Arguably the hardest. Um, he's been he's done a really good job there this season. Much more improvement from what we've seen in the past. But like, if we get rid of him, like your defense is already the worst in baseball. You're just gonna make it worse. So it, it's a tough situation. And like you said about Yoshida and Turner, I'm not saying Yoshida's bad, but considering you have Turner, and if he wanted to stay another year, it's going to be really hard to when you're trying to improve the defense, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, before we move on to the Dodgers series, shout out, speaking of Alex Verdugo, um, Verdugo hit 474 in this Astros series with nine hits and a homer. Uh, he was very good. Uh, Duvall, 563 with nine hits and three homers and eight RBIs. So those two were just just fantastic in that series. So hopefully we can keep that up against uh, the Dodgers. Yeah, I think we can all agree. Adam Duvall's is the series MVP. <laughs> Do you yes, agree? I agree with that. Um, yeah, him, Verdugo, and Abreu, I think were the three best players in the series. And series loser, I'm going Devers here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could go with that. I'm going with runners in scoring position. That is a series loser. The whole team just didn't hit those first two games, which was kind of pathetic. Devers just did not get any big hits. I mean, he went two for five with a walk and a hit by pitch in game four, but the first three games, he didn't he didn't really have a huge hit with runners on. He made a lot of bad mistakes on defense. So he's my serious loser. Let's go on to the Dodgers series. So today, August 25th, Lance Lynn versus Cutter Crawford. Most likely might be rained out. We'll see how the weather turns out. But it's a really big series. I mean, you know who's returning a Fenway. The GOAT, Ryan Brazier. <laughs> He's definitely getting a save against us. Let's just make that clear right now. Yeah, in all serious, uh, it's Mookie Betts' return. One of the greatest Red Sox players ever. You have Kike Hernandez returning, who's been really good for the Dodgers. And Ryan Brazier has been elite for the Dodgers. So that's that. Yeah. Game two, 
Julio Rios, who's been pretty good lately, versus James Paxton, uh, four ten, and then Sunday at one thirty five, it's Tanner Houck versus who is it? Is it um what's his name? I read it was Ryan Yarbrough. No way, is Ryan Yarbrough? That's what okay. So I use this app for fantasy called like pitcher versus hitter, and it like tells you like who's good against who, and they have it as Ryan Arbro. Dude, we destroy him every time. I know. <laughs> like I've I never seen mention, a pitcher like, this bad against the Red Sox in my life. Yeah, he just loves me balls. I do want to mention so the first matchup, Lance Lynn. The Red Sox don't have a lot of history against Lance Lynn. Um, at least this current roster doesn't. Uh Tristan Costas is two for three. Um, with a homer, Devers is four for fifteen with a double. Duvall is three for thirteen with a triple. Um, the other guy, uh, Story is one for seven. McGuire's two for eight. Turner is three for nine. Other than that, not a lot of at bats. So there's some guys with like ten at bats. The only person who like rakes against them, I guess, is you know Devers and Turner. So. We'll see how that works. And then Urias, I mean, I don't think we have any history against him. Have we yeah, ever I don't faced think so him? either. Um, if it was, it was 2019, and I don't really remember that. So, I, I mean, I, I can wait. Off the current roster, I think the only guy who has history is Duvall uh, Urias. Okay, I got it pulled up. So, uh, Devers is 0 for 1. Duvall is two for eight. Ref Snyder is one for two. Pablo Reyes is 0 for three. The guy who has the most history is Trevor Story. He is two for 18. That is a batting average of 111. Uh, Urias is two for six. So, yeah, not a lot of history there. Yeah. Either. Uh, Story has, sucks against him. Urias has a home <laughs> run and six at bat. So, it's the only thing. Yeah. How are you feeling? How, how do you feel about this series? I mean, I not not necessarily about like the returns of everybody. I mean, JD's not playing, which I'm kind of disappointed. But uh, how are you feeling in terms of uh, win loss? I think the Red Sox won one out of two or one out of three. So the first game, I don't know how I feel because Crawford sucks at Fenway Park, but uh, yeah. <laughs> he is better than Lance Lynn. But he sucks at Fenway Park. So I don't know how I feel about that game. Game two, I don't know. I mean, game two is tough because Urias has been kind of just fine this year. Um, But Paxson's been struggling. So I also don't really know how I feel about that one either. And then game three, I mean, what what do we say? Like, do we, do we know? Is it Yarbrough? Who knows? So, I mean, I really don't know how I feel about any of these games. I'm going to say the Red Sox win one out of three as well. But, yeah. Uh, over under, one and a half homers by Mookie Betts. I said one and a half homers by him and Kike Hernandez. I'm, I'm going to go. the over so hard on that one. You know what? Yeah, I, I, think, I think Mookie will have one. I think Kike is going to have one. That's my feeling. And Joe Kelly and Ryan Brazier are pitching four scoreless innings. Yeah, with 12 strikeouts. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them will get yeah. a save, too. 
Okay, I got I got a little question for you. So the Red Sox got these six games against the Dodgers and the Astros, and then they play the Royals. Okay, so that's a nine game stretch in there. What do the Red Sox have to do in those nine games to make you believe? To believe seven and two. Uh, what I think they need to do is go six and three, but to like believe seven and two. Yeah, because they got to sweep the Royals, so that's three wins there, and then you gotta you gotta win two out of three against the other one. So yeah, I agree with you. Um, last thing I have, AL playoff contenders strength of remaining schedule. Um, the Red Sox have the hardest schedule at five thirty eight percentage. Uh, behind them are the Rays and the Rangers, uh, the Orioles. And then the bottom three, the guys we're chasing, the Mariners, 485, Blue Jays, 474, and the Astros, 467. So the people we're chasing have easy schedules, and we have a hard one. We're three and a half back. That does not give a lot of hope, but the one good thing is the Yankees are going to go like 70 and 92. So we can all celebrate. Yeah, that, that's our World Series is the Yankees just being absolute terrible this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got. So let's hope Red Sox take care of business. Gladly take two out of three. A two out of three to, against the Dodgers is like sweeping. That's how I view it because that's a really Wait, winning. Isaac. Yeah. I'm going to send you a photo and then I'll t- tell it on the pod, but I just want to send this to you and see what your initial reaction is. <laughs> Did you get it? Oh, God. Get Mookie's face. <laughs> who tweeted this? What is, what is his thought? Hey, man, you're the guy who traded me. Thanks for the 2020 World Series. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, uh, for those listening, it's a picture of Mookie Betts smiling at High Bloom in person. They're like one foot away from each other. Well, hey, how man. does that even? Co- what what conversation do you even have? Like, what? Why are they even next to each other? Isn't that's incredibly awkward for both parties involved? Hey man, I, I know it was out of your control. I wanted to stay in Boston, but I felt low ball like John Henry. No hard feelings. I, I you... doubt they're having that conversation <laughs> by the concession stand. I bet they're like, "Hey, hey, how you, how have you, how have you been? Been? I guess like, there's no way they're having that conversation in front of the chicken finger line." <laughs> I know. I'm just yeah, messing. That's funny. It's, it's that's a, really... pic- a picture's always worth a thousand words, as people say. But yeah, that's just a really funny photo. Y'all gotta look at it on Twitter. The bowler. <laughs> who tweeted that Katio. I knew it was Katio. that was my first guess he always starts drama nah Katio's our favorite Red Sox writer shout out to him that's true that's true right, that's all I got yep thank you for those listening let's go Red Sox Gonna need to take a lot for them to win to make this magical postseason run if they get in. Still not out of it, but chances are slim. 
Follow us at Sox Rundown on Twitter. Engage in our tweets. Ask any questions you'd like. Shout out to the fans, people listening. Go Red Sox and have a great night.